We made USAA insurance to help you save. Take advantage of discounts when you cover your home and your ride. Discover how we're helping members save at usaa.com slash bundle. Restrictions apply. The Boys in the Band podcast is brought to you in partnership with Giddy Stratospheres, the fantastic independent film by Laura Jean Marsh, set in the heart of the noughties indie scene. It's a story of furiously loyal friendship and a love song to an incredibly special time for music and mayhem, all set to the soundtrack of the best noughties indie tunes. A must-watch for any Naughties indie fan. You can buy or rent the film on a host of platforms, including Amazon Prime, Sky Store and iTunes. But as part of our partnership with Giddy Stratospheres, we're delighted to be able to offer listeners to the Boys in the Band podcast an exclusive 20% discount to rent the film via Vimeo On Demand. Just follow the link in the podcast notes or post it on our social media and enter the promo code BOYSINTHEBAND at checkout. And you'll be able to stream the film for as little as £3.59. A terrific deal that's an absolute must for listeners to this podcast. This fantastic offer is available in the UK and Ireland only at the moment and runs until 10th of September. So go check it out. Giddy Stratospheres, a film about loss and love in the storm of guitars and broken glass that was the noughties UK indie music scene. Hello and welcome to another special episode of the Boys in the Band podcast, another My Naughties number one. I'm Peter Smith and as ever I've got Rich Gallagher alongside me. How are you Rich? Yeah, all good thanks mate. Uh, thanks for joining us everyone. As Pete says, we've got another edition of My Naughties number one album. Uh, following on from our full length chat with Taita and Andy from New Young Pony Club at the weekend, we asked them to pick their favourite album from that first decade in the 2000s, the good old noughties. Mm-hmm. And they... Uh, they struggled. They found it really tough to pick their choices. Um, but we tied them down, and here's what they came up with. I probably, if I was going to go for one, it's not my favourite, but I think it's one that I always forget when I talk about my influence, particularly vocal influences, which is um, the Life Without Buildings album, Any Other City, which, you know, it's a pretty obscure one now. But again, it's part of this story because it was something that I discovered through Rough Trade, just going to Rough Trade West over and over and over again and then often buying their kind of yearly compilations and discovering this band and just thinking i want to sound like her i want to sound like sue essentially from from life without buildings so i'll I'll pick that one for that reason interesting yeah it's one that i'm not familiar with at all really can you tell us a little bit more sort of about sort of the style of the album um well, I think when you listen to it, you'll definitely get it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, indie-based rock band from, from I think, from Glasgow. Um, spiky, female, almost spoken word vocals over, you know, sort of spiky guitar-led band. So, you know, I think that it was just something that just appeared in on the horizon. And I thought, oh, I want to be in that lifeboat. <laughs> <laughs> Nice, yeah. How about you, Andy? What are you going to go for? I'm kind of torn. I mean, my my initial gut reaction, just in terms of because we're talking about the band, and I think about a record that just, for me, changed everything in that decade and massively influenced us, you know, and, and still stands up, I think, as one of the greatest records ever made, um, is uh, Silent Alarm by Block Party. You know, I mean, just why are you laughing? 
I'm just laughing at how many times we'd be we'd be singing that bit from Banquet and Kelly would be behind us and we'd have to go, what? <laughs> note, note to self. Yeah, note to self was was repeated a lot yeah. of times. <laughs> note to self. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, just the urgency of that record is just phenomenal. I mean, just absolutely just everything about it, you know, is just sort of like for me, it just really kick started, or well, not kick started, but it it just it just really energized. I mean, we were making our first record when that came out and it was just like, just, oh my God, you know, this is like someone's made this record and it's sort of so much of what I love, you know, in, in, in one record. And they just seamlessly had, came with this kind of almost sort of sound that just felt like it was so well formed. And you know what I mean? It just, mm. I don't know. There's so much about that record that's just so special. Um, mm. And at that time, I think the timing of it, I think that's the thing. Over the whole decade, I think there are other records that I love and could perhaps put in, you know, yeah. equally equally as good. But I think just in terms of like for this conversation and and for this podcast, I think I just think that one can't can't be beaten. But you know, also I mean, there's just so many great records like PJ Harvey records and Fun- you know, Arcade Fire and mm. you know Radiohead and you know I think so many other great records for me that that you know Death in Vegas that was another one Scorpio oh, yeah. Rising that. Oh, yeah, really yeah. big really big record for us really big record um you know so yeah big, you know miss jackson come on so many mm-hmm. god there are just too many you can't really talk about that those 10 years and, and narrow it down to one it's i don't think it's even possible <laughs> no yeah, that's, that's right very tough no. very tough that's the challenge <laughs> block, block party is one that uh I, I remember when it came out i'm thinking wow this is different and you know it was such a glut of guitar bands around that time, but there was just something about like their urgency of, of their instrument just that sounded made them stand out from the crowd. I think and really did set a, a really high bar for for you know for them as a band going forward. Well, yeah, I mean, too high yeah. bar, right? Mm. I think that, that's been their curse almost. You know, like that record was just so good; they'd never never been able to, sadly, in my opinion, you know. Get, come 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 back to it but still you know better to have like one incredible album you know that everyone still talks about than none or, or loads of yoker ones <laughs> yeah <laughs> and uh and but they're, they're still trying though i believe they are still were uh, that they're actually working on a new record at the moment block party so uh still striving to uh to, to create something as as outstanding as that debut yeah you never know you never know yeah. and they're still great live i mean uh, you know it's yeah. still an amazing live band i think but yeah it's never been the same without matt i think matt was really you know took up the urgency of that early stuff i think there's so much to do with matt on drums so mm. you know very difficult very difficult for them i think since he's been gone i remember sarah played with them she filled in when he left and she said like trying to learn that record she'd basically go down to her little drum room in the basement play but she'd like she had a metronome so she'd be speeding herself up and speeding herself up to get to the correct speed and then she said she'd just lie there in a sweaty heap <laughs> and go up, go up and lie on her bed in a sweaty heap and then come down 45 minutes later and do it again <laughs> just ah. to try and get his sort of speed and stamina level so it gives you some sense of I don't know how you could carry on really with with such an um 
you know, a core component of your sound, not not there, but you know, best yeah. of luck. Mm, yeah, it's great insight into sort of yeah that that drumming on, on Block Party uh, on the on the debut. Um, and we talked about uh, sort of DJing in the main podcast, didn't we? A few floor fillers on that one as well. Helicopter. Yeah, I yeah. remember would always uh, have people rush into the to the floor. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, God, yeah, that riff, that riff. I remember mm. when we used to see we saw Kelly um, when he was doing his solo project uh, in Australia. We were on tour and. Um, he was it was like a touring festival and he was one of the headliners at that point and um just now and again he'd drop in the riff to helicopter like just you know what i mean just in between songs oh, yeah. and just literally he'd just do that and the crowd would just go the crowd would go <laughs> so mental like just for literally those four like that it was almost like half a bar of, of the riff from helicopter and the the crowd would just go ah <laughs> It's like people tearing their skin off in the front row. Yeah. <laughs> it's infectious. It's so infectious. Mm. Yeah, it is, great yeah, choice. Say, yeah so, so many floor fillers on there, like you say, people. Even the softer moments on that album were so beautiful. Like, uh, you know, so here we are and things like that. I just remember Kelly did have that, that ability just to, to hold an audience as well because there would be all those, uh, you know, kids in skinny jeans wanting to <laughs> pogo around the whole place, but they'd still sort of be in the palm of his hand when he was delivering those, uh, those gentler moments on that record. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. He, he, exactly that, you know, that you've, you've, you've hit nail on the head. Like they, they, they can't, they, they straddled those two worlds that we also felt we sort of were trying to straddling, which is that kind of the edginess and, and, and kind of urgency of, of punk, um, but also the soulfulness of, you know, whatever you know just the, the the other side the more emotional side of music that most guitar bands just couldn't get there you know it was all about just kind of bravado and and you know and, and blah, you know brashness but mm. they just straddled that they just blended those so things so well and and that was it and that's what i think that you know and, that, and that's why it sort of it sort of touched me and i think was so important for us as a, as a record around mm. that time because it was exactly what we wanted to do with the band was sort of you know merge those two things mm. and it was part it was nice to kind of see something like that coming through because obviously everything you know there was loads of of guitar-led indie music that had a, a certain level of urgency or that kind of teenage punk sound to it but to have something that also carried that legacy of like say Elliot Smith or Jeff Buckley or people who, do you know what I mean? Who had that sort of emotional resonance as well. That was wonderful to see on one album. Yeah. Yeah. I know it wasn't easy to pick out your minorities number one, but I think you've done a pretty good job there, Andy. And I think we, <laughs> between the four of us, sort of justified it. So uh, nice one. Thanks again. And uh, enjoyed the new Young Pony Club story. So Andy, Taita, thanks again. Thank you. Thank nice. you. See ya. Nice one. So there we have it, Rich. Two, uh, well, two very different choices <laughs> in terms of yeah. a podcast for us, because one which I don't think either of us have heard or had heard before, and uh, one that we uh, are both very fond of. Yeah, indeed. Yeah, yeah. We were one of the things we said to ourselves after the end of the poll was we were surprised that Blob Hearty hadn't come up before. But uh, mm. yeah, we'll come back to that one in, in a moment. But yeah, Ta- Taita's choice of uh, life without buildings, uh, any other city, not one that I'd heard before. Um, but yeah, really interesting choice from me. Uh, you know, we could see uh, listening to it after the after chatting to her, we could see uh, the appeal uh, mm, that she definitely. talked about, and um, and yeah, really cool to hear her sort of story of how she discovered them. You know, going to 
uh, Rough Trade West was the one that she was uh, frequenting at the time and and discovering them on one of their yearly compilations. And and yeah, we had a lot of good chat actually on the full length pod as well about record shops and, you know, those good old days as well, just sifting through the vinyl, sifting through mm-hmm. the, the, the the discs and, and the CDs, whatever was, was uh, depending on the shop you were in. And, and yeah, I think we've got, as Andy said, those of us who are old enough, which are surprising that we are, um, we uh, <laughs> have very fond, very fond memories of, of doing that. I, you know, my first job out of school was was working in a record shop, a secondhand one at that. But yeah, loved working in there and sifting through what what came in and, and yeah, the unknown actually element of working in a secondhand record shop. We were sort of reliant on what people sold to us, and we'd get promoters come in and management people who would be you know selling on their promo copies of things and finding those rarities was a was, was a real buzz and and yeah i remember every time i was down in in central london or even uh those uh secondhand places in, in notting hill and that just always sifting through looking for some some hidden gems and yeah there's something special about that experience in a record shop yeah definitely i can clearly remember at sixth form you know spending lunch hours just you know hopping down to down to the local town and and yeah, just going through, as you say, just flicking through CDs or, um, or whatever. You're just trying to find, you know, trying to find something to buy, something to spend my money on that on that day. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so it's a uh, it's a ritual which I've not <laughs> not participated in for quite a long time now. But uh, yeah, maybe that's something we should should do. Rich, go and spend a Saturday afternoon, head down to one of the rough trade shops and have a dig through yeah, the collections. Absolutely, yeah, and. Um, um, and also me, me, just uh, just another one I'd, I'd say about this was, you know, this is obviously a abandoned album we're not really familiar with, but I think both of us have gone and had a listen, had a play. And it, yeah, it, it's right up our street, isn't it? And uh, I didn't yeah. see how, uh, I think Tate said it, she was sort of inspired vocally uh, by this band. And uh, I think you can see that, but yeah, it's, it's a nice discovery. Yeah, indeed. And it sort of links very nicely to that record shop idea because one of the phrases they used in the pub was gatekeepers and the people, the characters you'd meet in these record shops, the regulars and the people you'd take recommendations off. And mm. uh, and Taita has given us just that, you know, really solid recommendation of, as, as we've said, an album, a band that we were really unfamiliar with uh, that, uh, yeah, we, we definitely should have been. And uh, as we said, on the other hand, a band we are very familiar with, Block Party. And just before we uh, hit record on this, Rich, you were reminiscing about I've seen them with the Cribs, I think it was at Ali Pali. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, we've had a, bit, a fair bit of Cribs chat over over our pods. And I know you've seen the Cribs uh, a, a fair few times, a couple more times than I have anyway. But yeah, really fond memory of a pair of us rocking up to Ali Pali, a huge venue in North London, uh, which was actually just down the road from where Taita was, was living when we spoke. Mm. And uh, and yeah, it was, a, it was a little bit further down the line after Silent Alarm, I reckon. Oh yeah, um, definitely. But, yeah, I, I do feel like I, I, I would have seen them um in camden around the time of this debut album when yeah. that came out but yeah i think they were well they were very well established by the time we saw them at, uh, yeah, at were, Palace. yeah. In, indeed but yeah to see two two huge bands like that on the same bill together in, in that venue was a yeah me- memorable night indeed <laughs> and um yeah another fond memory from from the guys on the pod as well was that uh that note to self story that they, uh, <laughs> I, I could just imagine uh, them running around causing chaos and just singing that at each other at random moments and and those moments where they just happened to be in within earshot of uh, of kelly uh, it really <laughs> did make me smile and um and yeah it made me think about the that album as well there there are certain moments on that album certain uh well, certain riffs that certainly but also just words and phrases that when, whenever I hear them out of context, a bit like note to self, I still instantly remember 
block party version of them saying that, that line. And, and actually, we had one right near the end of the chat. And I had to try really hard not to interrupt Andy. So he was making a really pertinent point. But he used the word bravado. <laughs> and I immediately, anytime I hear that word, I can just hear the Kelly, the, the Kelly vocal in that very song where he, where he squeals out bravado. He'll just love it. And uh, yeah, there's certain things like that that just really stick in the memory. And, and uh, yeah, even just certain sounds and, and riffs from, from that album and beyond, actually. Two More Years is another one that, you know, fairly common phrase. But whenever I hear that phrase, I do immediately think of, of Block Party. And they're also one of those bands that appear this just again made me think we're going off on a bit of a tangent here sorry mate but uh you know <laughs> i don't know if you if you hear on the radio stuff i know like radio x do these things sometimes where they do these little snippets of songs and as a competition you've got to ring up and mm. and uh say which band you heard in that little amalgamation and uh and yeah block party always feature and they're always there as sort of the, the gimmies because they're so easy to identify so distinctive yeah and, uh, they just got so many of those moments on this album haven't they yeah same song as bravado um, yeah. <laughs> is uh, as if to say, as if to say, he doesn't like chocolate. Yes. If you ever hear uh, <laughs> that someone doesn't like chocolate, that's my immediate reaction. As if to say, as if to say. Anyway, and um, as well as, as that, that line they gave us, I thought, I think I said it on the bonus podcast, it was a really good insight um, into match drumming and how hard that is to replicate um, by Sarah from NYPC, who... Uh, stood in for block party on drums and these sort of brutal rehearsals that she was having to undergo to try and get up to his speed. You know, that's the sort of thing that it's hard to um, appreciate if you're not a musician, really, which I think yeah. neither of us claim to be. We just sort of <laughs> admire from from afar. But it's, um, yeah, that those sort of technical details or the, sort of the uh, mastery of the skill Um so much admiration for for Matt's ability behind the kit from his colleagues in the industry. Yeah, big time. And, and how much of an impact that had on their, their overall sound. As I mm. said, they, they've sort of struggled to replicate that that driving force since, since Matt left the band. But uh, but yeah, re- really, really great album of choice. You know, well, both albums, you know, really good choices. One that we weren't that familiar with initially, but can definitely see where Taita, why Taita chose that one. And block party, as we say, uh, surprised it took this long to be picked. But uh, <laughs> yeah, a couple, a couple of really strong choices. So thanks again to Taita and Andy for joining us on, on My Naughty's Number One and the feature length pod from the weekend. Um, and we'll catch you next time on the Boys in a Band podcast. See you then. Mm-hmm.